anyone was guessing what we might be talking about on this podcast today, you guessed right. We're talking about COVID-19, that new disease caused by a new coronavirus. Um, It started in December, and now it is here in the United States. It's here in Maryland, and as of today, it is now here in Frederick County. So to do this, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in our county I'm going to be talking with Katrina a little bit later about what's going on in our school systems. But first, we're going to flip the uh, script again. And Alan Etzler, who is in a different room because we practice what we preach here at Frederick News Post and we're doing social distancing podcasting style. Alan's going to ask me some questions so I can take on the role of health reporter and kind of talk about what's going on with the disease and what the county's been doing. So, Alan, welcome to the podcast. I hope you're doing okay in two doors (laughs) down. Yeah, it's it's very eerie to do a podcast this way with like the microphone and you and I'm staring at a big piece of foam soundproofing equipment uh, and ra- rather than a guest. So this is a this is an interesting interesting setup we have going on and uh, definitely the the smart way to approach it. I think can't be in any of those confined areas doing a podcast like this. Um, so yeah, I want to get into it. Uh, I just want to make sure that we know uh, or that our listeners know. This story is evolving so fast, and we're recording this on a Monday uh, afternoon. So chances are by the time you listen to this on Tuesday, some of this stuff may be a little bit out of date. We're trying to do it as fast as we can, but this is one of the fastest uh, evolving stories I think we've we've encountered here at the News Post uh, in, in some time. But I, I just want to uh, give you the chance, Heather, to kind of give our readers a primer of, of what has happened so far today. You mentioned we had our first uh, our first official positive case of COVID nineteen in the county. Uh, so, so what happened today when when that was announced? So, first, this is our first confirmed case of COVID nineteen, and we've been using a lot of really kind of funky language like confirmed cases or positive cases, and that's because testing has been a, a problem throughout this entire um, country, basically. Most officials have said we have a testing shortage, so not everyone is getting tested, even if they might fit all the symptoms of COVID-19. Um, they did relax guidelines today so that more people can get tested, but the problem is we don't have the kits needed to test all those people. So Frederick County has its first confirmed case. That doesn't necessarily mean other people might not have the disease. There is a chance that people do have it and are not feeling well and just don't have a confirmed case. Um, and like Dr. Barbara Brookmeyer said earlier today during a press conference with um, County Executive Jan Gardner, this is not unexpected. This is co- was coming for a while. And actually, I was a little surprised it took this long for Frederick County to announce its first case. Yeah. So can we uh, and now when we talk about these cases and the information that's been coming out, there's a very limited amount of information. But but what uh who I guess has been, or what information has been uh, kind of identified as as uh, with the person who who tested positive for the first case? Because it, it's something we haven't seen as much uh, in other counties in terms of the demographic of the person who has uh, been confirmed to have COVID nineteen. Yes, so this is a woman in her thirties. Um, it's a weird situation where this person does not have a travel history, but they were in contact with someone who did have a travel history to an area where there was. Um, cases of COVID-19. So I think Dr. Brookmeyer described it as like a, a, it's a three people down the line kind of situation. So she went, met with somebody who had, who had traveled to somebody uh, or in an area where there was cases and now this person has it. Um, But the 30s um, age group is not one that we've seen very much, but I do anticipate we will be seeing more because 
just a couple minutes ago before I came in here, I was writing up that someone in their 20s in Baltimore has it. Um, so the vulnerable group, as they're describing, is people who are 60s and older. And that's really because the mortality rate goes up significantly, especially when you're someone's in their 80s. But that does not mean that it doesn't affect people who are younger. It just means that their their symptoms may be milder or they might be faring better um, or they might not have as bad of a case. But that doesn't mean you can't get it. You still can. Um, and actually with this disease, I think one of the things that people have been talking about is because it has such mild symptoms for some people, you might not know that you have it even when you do. Right. And and um, are you able to kind of update the, the status of this person at the time of this recording? Um, what is the status of the person in Frederick County who has specifically been identified? And how frequently are we seeing... Well, answer that question first, and then I'll ask my follow-up because I don't want to spoil it for the listeners. Well, as of 5 p.m. on Monday, um, that person was not hospitalized and is self-isolating at home. When I asked Dr. Brookmeyer about a week ago what that means um, in in anticipation of a case, it basically means the health department will be checking in a couple um, times a day to make sure that person has everything they need, that they're doing okay, um, that they're staying home. And that's what happens when you're in self-isolation. But this person has not been hospitalized. We have had a couple cases throughout Maryland that have been hospitalized. And again, as of now, 5, you know, 5 p.m. on Monday, there have been no deaths in Maryland. Thank you. You kind of you kind of jumped uh, a little bit ahead for, for what my, my second question was going to be. But, you know, she, she is self-isolating, um, not hospitalized. How frequently are we seeing people be hospitalized and what, at what rate are we seeing them recover so far? So in terms of recovery, I'll answer that one first, because the Maryland Department of Health, which is the central health department for our state, is no longer giving out the information. They have now asked for local health departments to give out that information. So as a report, I'm sure you can understand there's a slight frustration because there's more than 20 counties here. So that means contacting all those county health departments. So in terms of finding out how many people were recovered, I know that three Montgomery County residents, the first three cases that we um, reported on March 5th, 11 days ago, they have recovered. I don't know if anyone else has because that information has not been available. In terms of hospitalization, I want to say I know of at least six, but I could be wrong. Um, In terms of people who have been hospitalized, some of them were hospitalized and then released, and some of them are still hospitalized. Um, most of those people are in the um, 70s or 80s that I've noticed um, with hospitalizations, but there were, I think, one in the 50s or 60s that was briefly hospitalized and now lo- no longer is. You mentioned um, you've been talking to the health department and asking questions, and some of the information hasn't been available. Um, what are we still, what are the unknowns that we're still trying to find out? And what are you hearing might be happening in regards to um, the number of cases? So can, have you heard anything in terms of whether or not we should anticipate? So to this point, they've been pretty much announcing every case, right? Well, do we get the feeling that that will continue or will that will that kind of stop? Are we anticipating the numbers being higher or lower kind of going forward? So what I've been hearing, uh, and so I want to say one of the biggest questions that is un- unknown is where was this person? Did this person go to the grocery store? Did this person go to a movie theater? Where do they live in Frederick County? And those are questions that we will not probably get answers to, which is unfortunate. And I wish I could be more reassuring to our readers who are commenting on Facebook, like, where were they? I want to know. Am I in danger? Um, 
because of HIPAA, uh, they cannot really tell us where in Frederick County that person lives. Um, in fact, the fact that we're finding out with counties is actually kind of unusual for our Maryland Department of Health that doesn't release a lot of information by county level. Um, so that is a big concern. They are currently investigating where that person has uh, been, where they went, and if there's an area where they feel like there might have been a massive public exposure, that's when you kind of see more notices. For example, Howard County, one of their cases from yesterday um, was at one of their nursing homes or assisted living facilities, and they put out a release that says this person lived in this uh, facility. That way people know. Um, you saw that with one of the first Montgomery cases. This person went to this area at this public event. You know, if you went there, call your doctor. So if we have this person in Frederick County went to some big event, maybe we'll hear something. Otherwise, if they just went around their daily life, they might be contacting those people that they might have interacted with, but we probably won't hear about that. And what are you hearing in terms of um, the number of cases and, and what we can expect the trend to be there? So the number of cases. Now, to go back to what I said, where these are only the confirmed cases, not the ones that truly might exist. So... One, expect the numbers to go up. That is something Governor Hogan has been saying multiple times. Expect the numbers to um, dramatically and rapidly increase because the more tests that become available, and we do have commercial labs um, online now, which means the more tests are done, the more positives that we will probably find. That being said, um, I can't tell you that tomorrow we're going to find five cases in Frederick. These are things that we're going to be hopefully hearing from our local county health department, they've said that they probably won't hold a press conference every time we have a new case, but they will probably let us know via press release or I check in with the health department at least once a day. It's probably more like two or three times. They're probably sick of me because I'm always asking, do we have a case? And that will continue. So we at the Frederick News Post will be updating as much and as possible as we can. Um, With the other counties, Sometimes that relies on looking at other news sources. Sometimes, hopefully, we'll find those press releases. I have followed everyone that I possibly could on Twitter to find out if they're going to be releasing information. So hopefully, we'll find that way. Um, But we were doing our best to try to keep on track of all these numbers. The Maryland Department of Health at 10 a.m. does update how many cases um, are in Maryland. But as you've seen today, we announced our case at 1045. So that number was not reflected in the map this morning. But... If you're looking for a more visual representation, we should hopefully have a map online soon that will be more updated than the Maryland Departments of Health. So, yay us. And that map is courtesy of, of Heather herself, actually, who, who built it. So kudos to Heather. Um, that What we just talked about pretty much, and this is kind of how, how fast and rapid this story has been moving. What we just talked about happened today at 1045. Uh, and then we got another bomb dropped on us at 11 a.m. courtesy of... Uh, the governor. Uh, Can you tell us uh, what exactly that announcement was and uh, what it's going to mean? Well, I hope you were not planning to go out to a bar tonight or tomorrow night for St. Patrick's Day because all bars, restaurants, movie theaters, and gyms will be closing as of 5 p.m. Monday. So actually, they are closed um, since it's past 5 p.m. already. Um, That does not mean you can't get takeout or drive-through or carry-out. You still can. Um, And I think that's something that a lot of people are talking about is like try to support the local businesses by calling and saying, can I order in from you or can I drive through your restaurant? Um, I'm even seeing for like the commercial businesses like Starbucks, they're offering to go options. Um, And we should have a list, I believe, of a lot of different restaurants here and what they're doing and what this means for them, um, courtesy of Ryan Marshall uh, for tomorrow's paper. So that was a pretty big 
bombshell, but I think it's, it was kind of coming. And I think the next one, a lot of people were asking um, President Trump during a press release or a press conference today was, are we going to see a national lockdown, kind of like what France just announced um, earlier today? And right now, that's not the case. But I wouldn't be surprised if Governor Hogan announces tomorrow or the next day even stricter guidelines. Um, the other thing that I think was important that came out of the governor's announcement was that he's trying to find a, a way to make 6,000 more hospital beds available in our state um, by looking at closed health facilities um, and seeing how we can find more beds to prepare for an influx of patients if, if necessary. And have they, that is something kind of looking more towards the future, I assume, right? They Have they seen that influx of patients yet, or is this something that they're hoping to prepare for what will be more and more positive tests, as we mentioned earlier? Well, so the, I don't think they've seen the influx of people who need to be hospitalized. As I mentioned, there's only a couple cases that I can remember that have been actually hospitalized or are still hospitalized. But I think one of the things that we keep forgetting is we are in the flu season. And I don't want to say, oh, focus on the flu, because that was kind of the message at the beginning, and that's no longer the message. But the flu just complicates things. Um, I was looking at the numbers from last week compared to the week before. And, you know, you're still seeing a couple hundred people being hospitalized for the flu. We still had three people die of the flu um, in the week ending on March 7th. So, you know, here we're dealing with this new disease, plus we're still in flu season, Plus allergies are coming up. So people get sick with allergies. Like, plus there's car crashes. And, you know, maybe those things will start going down because not as many people will be going places. But you still have other reasons that you might have to end up in the hospital. And then you have this pandemic that's on pot, uh, on top of us as well. You uh, you you weren't down in, in Annapolis for the uh, press conference, but you, but you watched it. Um, and I want to give give you a chance to tell readers or listeners um about the seriousness of the situation and, and the vibe that you got uh from governor hogan as he was announcing this so i'm actually going to start with um president trump's press conference because i was also watching that one and i think it carries the tone for a lot of the conferences that we're seeing which president trump um described this as an invisible enemy and that's start- something that i'm starting to see talked about throughout a bunch of different things. I think um, the president of France called it, said they were at war. That's why they're closing their borders. And that's kind of the impression I got from Hogan's uh, press conference. Not because he said anything or called it an enemy, but here's um, Governor Hogan, not in a suit, in like this vest, kind of like a pullover vest, looking, you know, got his ball cap on, looking more like you might see a TV reporter um, calling in from a war zone. He's flanked by someone from our state troopers and uh, someone with the National Guard. So it just came off a little bit more authoritarian. Um, I didn't pronounce that correctly, sorry. But um, it did have like a more of a military feel to it. You had some armored vehicles um, also on the TV screen. So it's interesting. I... To go on a very quick tangent, I was once at a conference where they were talking about how we were fighting cancer and cancer was a battle. And that's kind of the take that we do with health um, concerns. We like to treat everything a little bit like a war. So this is the war on COVID-19, just kind of like we had the war on drugs and the war on HIV and the war on cancer. Um, That's just kind of the talk that we see when we get very serious about this. And that's kind of how it's being presented right now. Yeah, and that's actually a nice uh, nice segue into my next question, which is kind of my last one before we pivot to uh, an interview with Katrina Pereira, our education reporter. Um, but but how long 
can we anticipate this war lasting? How long until we win this war, we come out on the other side? Uh, what are you hearing in terms of that? And, and are there deadlines set on um, the restaurant closing uh, kind of mandate and the no gatherings of more than 50 people mandate? Are there deadlines set on these mandates? So I think everyone's a little bit hopeful that we will get rid of this as soon as possible um, because I think we're all getting very sick of having to be um, to deal with this, which as a reporter trying to stay on top of this, I am certainly ready for this to be over. Um, but as of what Trump was saying and what um, Dr. Anthony Fauci was saying, who is the um, head of the National Institutes of Allergies and Infectious Diseases, which is under NIH, um, and actually has some ties to Fort Detrick, because of course it does. Um, we're looking at maybe July or August, which is even longer than I think some people um, were thinking, because I had previously heard maybe June when it gets to be summer, more vitamin D, more UV lights. But July and August, that's a pretty long time away from now, because um, I know that a lot of us think day to day, maybe weeks are um, out, but like, yeah, I was talking, so, you know, I'm seeing some people being like, what about my birthday in March? My birthday's in April. <laughs> I'm looking like I will be spending my birthday in quarantine um, because it looks like we are in here for the long haul. But that said, for the deadlines on restaurants and schools, right now, a lot of things are operating on, like the schools are closed for two weeks. Um, President Trump said no gatherings of 10 or more people for about 15 days. They're being set right now, but I would probably bet on having those things be extended. Um, having them set for two weeks or 15 days kind of allows you to get used to it. And then they can say, all right, we're going to extend it without ever having to worry about announcing it now and kind of panicking people. What do you recommend people do during this time? Stay away from people. It is the introverts, like, holiday, I guess. You don't have to look <laughs> at people. Um, play the Disney Store game. Try to stay in your house without ever talking to somebody else. Um, and I know that sounds like kind of funny and, you know, Everyone's like, oh, really? We have to stay away from people? But it's this thing called flatten the curve, which you've probably seen lots of graphs in now. But the idea is that the more we stay away from people, the more we don't go outside or interact with new people, the more chances that we're going to push down the number of cases so that it's more of a longer plateau instead of a spike. Um, and the reasons for that is you're trying to keep it under what our healthcare um, system can actually manage. Because if we have a spike... That's when you get into situations with Italy, which is having to face some horrible triage decisions. I think we were talking about if you're 80 or older and sick in Italy, they, they just don't have the ability to treat you anymore. And that's what we're really trying to avoid here in the United States. So we're flattening that curve. We're staying away from people six feet or more. Even here in the Fre uh, Frederick News Post, we're looking at how we can work from home. Stay away from people. Even here at Frederick Uncut, right now we're doing it in separate offices. We'll be working from home and doing it from home. So we are practicing what we preach here at the Frederick News Post. All right. That's going to be easy for me. Uh, I'm going to uh, get ready to pass you off to Katrina Pereira, but I want to uh, just take a little bit of time here to uh, commend you for the work that you've done uh, covering this and the work of the entire Frederick News Post staff, uh, because I think the work that we have been doing here has been absolutely crucial to the mission of public health and keeping people informed and making sure they're able to uh, understand what is going on around them. I also want to let readers and listeners know that we opened up access on our website. Typically, we have a paywall after 10, uh, 10 uh, stories that you read. You have to uh, buy some type of uh, subscription. Uh, we've opened up apps access for you. So you have access to all of our stories, everything that we're writing, you will be able to read. Um, but also with that, uh, please subscribe. 
the mission that we've uh, the work that we've been doing is is critical, and the journalistic mission has not changed. Um, but your subscription and your membership uh, matters immensely to us being able to continue doing this work the next time the next public health crisis happens. And I want to just say, you know, it is our job. I think that's kind of the what we all are feeling out there in the newsroom. It's our job to help get this information out. That's why we all became journalists. But and you know, a lot of us are saying how great of a job we're doing and we're hearing from um, readers and other people that we're doing a great job. But just to say what Alan said with subscribing, we do a good job all the time, not just during pandemics. Amen. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Thank you so much for interviewing me. So I'm going to take back the interviewing role. Um, I have Katrina Pereira in another room who is going to be talking to us a little bit about the school system because I think one of the things that's on a lot of people's minds is What's going to happen to the schools? Uh, what happens to my kids? What happens to their education? So, Katrina, I'm just going to let you start. What's what's happening with our schools? Yeah, so schools are closed as of now um, for the next two weeks. Um, all Maryland public schools are closed. Private schools are, you know, kind of on their own schedule. College, A lot of colleges have shifted to online classes for the foreseeable future. Um, and I think things are just getting played by ear as to whether that closure for public schools at least will extend and, you know, what that is going to look like um, for kids as we go forward. So just to start, I think one of the um, first things that happened, which was kind of, you know, impressive how fast it happened, was how do we feed the kids that get fed at school? So can you tell us a little bit about what state and local people are doing to try to make sure our kids are fed? Yeah, so um, a lot of kids not just in Frederick County, but across the country, rely on their cafeterias to give them a hot meal during the day. I I think it's something that a lot of people don't realize. Um, so one of the things that was kind of on everybody's mind when it was announced that all public schools across Maryland are going to close is, well, how are we going to feed these kids who otherwise don't maybe have options for breakfast and lunch during the day? Um, so FCPS kind of immediately, you know, put into action a plan to kind of operate their summer meals program, but a little tweaked for the situation. Um, so eight schools across the county are serving up free breakfast and lunch to any child under the age of 18. You know, you don't even have to technically be in kindergarten. You can be as young as a year or two years old. Um, you don't have to even live in Frederick County. There's going to be no ID required, nothing like that. Um, and you can come in and you can get free breakfast or lunch. And the and the cool thing about it this time around is that unlike the summer meals program, for these two weeks, you can actually take the food home with you if you want. So I guess just with that, for those who aren't nearby one of those locations, are there any ways to get there being provided by the county? So that was definitely a concern um, when this all first started. And I did ask FCPS about that. Um, and they kind of we're aware of that issue, you know, especially for kids in Thurmond and Brunswick and sort of those outlier parts of the county. Um, so starting Wednesday, March 18th, they're going to set up some satellite locations in those parts of the county in parking lots where grab-and-go lunches. Unfortunately, it will be only lunches, but um, those will be provided. Well, it's kind of nice to see that the school system's handling it, but I also know that we have some local organizations and other places that are trying to help feed kids as well? Yeah, um, a lot of local restaurants have kind of risen to the challenge and said, you know, we're going to give kids free meals while public schools are closed. Um, Chaps Pit Beef is one of them. Thurmont Country Kitchen is another one. 
Um, and, you know, you can scroll through social media and I'm sure find a, a few more. But, um, yeah, everyone's kind of pitching in. So we have school off for two weeks and it's kind of a weird situation because there's not a whole lot of work that can necessarily be done on these first two weeks, as my understanding. Yeah. So I think the announcement came so suddenly that a lot of people weren't necessarily prepared to immediately move instruction online for at least public schools. Private schools and colleges are a whole nother conversation. But at least for FCPS, there was there was not a lot of time to prepare for that. So when I talked to Dr. Albin last week, she said, you know, we're kind of treating these next two weeks like there's a blizzard and these are all snow days. Um, kids were sent home with, you know, maybe packets, a lot of books. But at this point, there's no direct instruction from the teacher for the next two weeks. Now, if this closure extends past two weeks into a third or fourth week, that is when we will see kids really moving online and doing sort of a virtual instruction day to day. So for those kids in areas like Thurmont, Brunswick, Sibyllisville, where I've driven there and sometimes my self-service goes out. Mm-hmm. Can we actually do online instruction for every kid in uh, FCPS? So I know FCPS is working on that. And, you know, it's not just having Wi-Fi, but it's also making sure that you have a device to actually access those things on. So I know FCPS is working to make sure that every child has access to a device. You know, they have a lot of extra Chromebooks that they're planning on giving out. And I know there are some... Um, uh, internet provider companies that are working to, um, you know, give access to children for free for internet and Wi-Fi so that, you know, if if we do go into a situation where, where FCPS is closed for a month or more, then, you know, their education isn't going to be uh, compromised. All right. And I'm going to shame my little sister who's in high school in a different county a little bit because when I was talking to her about this, I was like, you know, this is so we can social distance and we're not going out and being <laughs> at the mall, which you can't anymore because it's closed, but we're not going out and seeing our friends. And she's kind of like, well, I'm going to go see my friends. But this is meant so kids will stay home, correct? Yeah. I mean, I think that is that was the whole purpose of this is so that kids would stay home and they wouldn't sort of be in these large groups of people. And I think that Dr. Albin mentioned that when I talked to her last week, she said, you know, the point is missed if kids go home and they play together and they, you know, hang out together. The point is for them to go home and be separated, unfortunately, as as much as that sucks. But, you know, the point is to kind of stay in your home and stay healthy so that you can return to school eventually. Well, I guess as the older generations like to joke, you know, kids can be in the same room but never talk because they're on their phone. So I guess this has just been practice for years of how to be away from each other but still connected. Yeah, I mean, I guess screen time is okay at this point <laughs> in a lot of households. So, um, but you spoke, and so you spoke about colleges and private schools, and I know private schools are a very different story because they kind of decide what's going to happen. They're not necessarily tied to FCPS. But right. what about the colleges? Because one thing that we saw almost immediately as this was happening is colleges said, go home, do not stay on campus, get out, classes are online. Yeah, um, a lot of colleges in, in the Frederick area, so Hood, FCC, uh, Mount St. Mary's, they were really the first ones to kind of say, okay, we are we are stopping class, everybody is going home, and we are moving online. Um, and I think colleges are a little bit more equipped to do that a little more quickly just because at the college level, you already have a high level of virtual instruction that happens. So they were able to sort of maneuver a little bit more. 
And I don't know if you have had these conversations with Mount or heard yet, but for those kids who are freshmen or sophomore or as long as they have on-campus housing, has there been any discussion about what happens with tuition or what happens with uh, room and board in terms of are kids getting some sort of refund if they've already paid for a semester's worth of room and board that they don't get to use? Yeah, so at this point, Mount St. Mary's and Hood, the closure is has an end date. So I haven't heard specifics about whether there's going to be any refunds, but I think if the closure extends past, again, like a two or three week period that these colleges have set out, then we will start hearing those conversations about, okay, the students have now been gone for a month. You know, we need to start figuring out do they get refunded for this? They're not living here. They're not using any of these facilities. What happens at this point? But I think right now, everyone's still kind of waiting to see what's going to happen after these two weeks. And has there been any talk about what happens for seniors, especially with either in high school or in colleges for whether their their lives get put on hold or you know still are they still graduating do yeah. they still get to look for jobs so um i know the board of ed for fcps is having a discussion soon about graduation dates and whether those need to change or be you know delayed um a lot of seniors i know take ap courses and at this point the college board has not said anything about whether those exams will be rescheduled um the state testing window, as far as I know, has also not been moved. So I think I think at this point, really, everybody is just waiting to see, okay, what's going to happen in these two weeks? And if it gets worse, then we need to start making all those decisions. So it sounds like a lot is put on hold until we figure out maybe next week or the week after what happens. Yeah, I definitely think next week we will start to see a lot more progress and a lot more conversation around some of these bigger issues. All right. Well, I know that another part of your daily routine here, the news post is uh, going to be drastically changing with the closure of restaurants and bars. Yes. And that's your food reporting. So I guess to start with, you've already done one food review. So let's quickly talk about that one and then we'll move on to what you're going to be doing from now on. Yeah. <laughs> so I already did my food review for this week and this was during a time when, you know, everything was still open and everything was fine. Um, and I did it at Manja e Bevi in Urbana, which is an Italian restaurant. Um, and their food is really good. Um, I gave them 4.5 stars and I was really impressed. And I went with one to you with one of those reviews and I can, you know, also agree the food was pretty good. Yeah, really high standard of Italian cuisine. I was particularly impressed by their carbonara. I have such a high standard for carbonara because I used to eat it all the time when I was in Italy. And I've never found someplace in the United States that has come close. But Urbana, Mangia Bevi, it actually comes close. So, And I have to say, I had it for leftovers and it still tasted pretty good leftovers. So that's a very important thing when you're talking about food. Absolutely. Totally. Um, so hopefully when things start opening up, People can go visit that if they're looking for Italian food because um, that is something that you might have a little bit of a harder time finding. Yeah. Unless you're Italian. <laughs> um, I know I'll be perfectly fine with all the pasta that I've collected. Um, but and you also went to a kind of Italian place for a review for next week, if um, I understand correctly, right? Yeah. So next week had to be changed just a tad because of the governor's announcement. Um, so for next week, I'm going to be doing a pizza place, but, you know, it's all takeout. Um, so I can still do it at least. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a lot of pizza. You know, it's kind of like your typical kind of pizza joint with um, – 
pizza, pasta, you know, like burgers, chicken, that sort of thing. Well, and hopefully we'll talk about that next week, a little bit more about that food review. But that is one way I think a lot of people can still try to support local businesses, those that offer takeout um, or drive through or to go orders. That's something you can still do to try to support Mm -hmm. local restaurants. And I'm sure you have a bunch of um, ones that you can list off for people if they are looking for a good takeout. um, Oh, absolutely. And I mean, honestly, a lot of restaurants these days do take out, you know, I mean, even some of the fancier ones, they will wrap it up really nicely for you. So if you're craving something in particular, or you know, you really want to eat at this restaurant, just check to see if they do takeout. They probably will. But you'll be uh, heading home soon, I'm sure, and getting to uh, eat at home, which uh, as much as I know that you're a pretty good cook, so I'm sure we could all use some recommendations. Um, And I'm sure some people have stockpiled a bunch of ingredients and aren't quite sure what to do. So are you open to people sending you ingredients and you helping them figure out what to cook during this quarantine period? Yes. Send me your ingredients. Send me your recipes if you want me to try something out. Um, We can definitely, you know, make this as fun as possible from our homes. So, um, yeah, I am open to any and all ideas. And tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day, which I know for a lot of people is kind of a shame if you didn't get out this weekend, um, that you might not be able to get out and participate in the festivities. (laughs) Yeah, the drinking festival that we've turned Americans turned (laughs) St. Patrick's Day into. Yeah. Um, But I'm sure people send you some uh, cocktail ingredients. You probably can help them find the perfect quarantini, as I've been hearing people uh, mention throughout um, Twitter. Heather, you are exaggerating my talents. (laughs) I don't know about cocktails, but I can certainly try my best. Try, try, try. You have plenty of time to master a cocktail. (laughs) You might be at home for a little bit. Very true. Very true. Well, Katrina, is there anything else you think we need to know? Um, No, I think that's it. I'm sure we will be talking with you um, a lot as we try to figure out what's going to happen with the schools. And I'm hoping that maybe in the next week or two, we'll get to hear some pretty cool recipes that you've discovered or gotten to try. Yeah, I hope so, too. Well, Katrina, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. So as you heard through this episode, things are going a little bit differently here, even at the Frederick News Post. So that will extend to Frederick Uncut. As news breaks and as we find new stories to tell about COVID-19, we might be dropping some extra episodes. So you can make sure to check FrederickNewsPost.com or follow us on um, Apple iTunes or Google Play so that you make sure to catch up on all the latest Frederick Uncut episodes. Frederick Uncut is produced by me, Heather Vangelio, and edited by Graham Cullen. We'll see you soon. (music) 